following message is presented by Community Gospel Church in Bremen, Indiana. It is our great privilege to share this ministry with you. We in no way intend for this to be a replacement for the local church. It is our prayer that this would serve as a resource to help make Jesus Christ known in our congregation and other congregations gathering across the world. For more information about Community Gospel Church, visit www.communitygospelchurch.com. Becky, it is uh, really good to be with you uh, once again. It is true that Jordan and I almost uh, almost weekly we meet at the Mean Bean. And Kim, I think I saw you walk in. Where's, where's Kim? Right there. <laughs> this past week, you may have seen us on Facebook because without knowing it, Jordan took a picture. Not on? Yeah. Thought I turned it on. Tell me if it's turned on. No. There. It's on now? All right. Turned it on on the wrong side. But uh, we were sitting out actually on the front uh, sidewalk in front of the Mean Bean this past week, just watching all the traffic go by there in Bremen, you know. And... uh, my phone rang, and I said to Jordan, I said, I have to take this. It's my sister. And then through that conversation, Jordan found out it was my birthday. So it got done, and he looked at me, and he said, well, happy birthday. He said, how old are you? And I said, 66, which was exactly twice his age. And seriously, he looked at me, and says, wow, and you aren't even senile yet. And then I said this. I said, Jordan, you know, I happened to see a picture of Arnold Schwarzenegger the other day. Somebody caught a picture of him at the beach, and he didn't know the picture was being taken. Do you know what happens to all your muscles by the time you're 66? (laughs) It even happened to Arnold, man. He's just, it's all mush. You're going to turn to mush, Jordan, by the time you're 66, you know. And uh, no, I'm not senile. Of course, after this service, some of you may think I am, you know. But uh, we meet for this reason. And on that Facebook post, he said, I, I, uh, happy birthday to my coach, my mentor, and my friend. And uh, quite frankly, I think your pastor is unusual in that he seeks out older men um, that have put in their years in ministry uh, to gain wisdom. And I don't have that happen much from younger guys. So uh, I think that's very wise of Jordan. We're going to speak about wisdom today, and we're going to talk about the sayings of a guy named Edgar that we don't know anything about, except he apparently was a man who looked around a lot and gained wisdom. You know, someone said you can learn, some people can learn more in a walk around the street, the block, than some could on a worldwide tour, because they keep their eyes open, and they're looking, they're gaining wisdom, and Edgar, in Proverbs chapter 30, if you would uh, look there... He talks about four little creatures that are small but exceedingly wise. And we're going to go in depth today on one of those little creatures. But in Proverbs chapter 30, verse 24, Edgar says this. Now remember, this is the word of God. And we believe that every word of Scripture is inspired and is profitable. So there's a great lesson to learn from this. To be thoroughly equipped, which means if we don't learn these lessons, we're lacking in being equipped to live a godly life. 
Four things, I like the fact it just says things, on the earth, just earthly things, are small, insignificant, overlooked. Yet, they are extremely wise. I like the fact that it talks about extremely small, but now extremely wise. Things we ought to learn from. Ants are creatures of little strength, yet they store up their food in the summer. They plan ahead. They're wise. Conies, that's a rock badger, are creatures of little power, yet they make their home in the crags. They always stay real close to a crack in the rock, so phew, they can fly right in there. They're not strong, but they're smart. They know where their protection is. Locusts have no king, yet they advance together in ranks. We're going to dissect that one in a moment. A lizard can be caught with a hand, yet he's found in a king's palace. Why? Kings wanted them in their palaces, these little lizards, because guess why? Just guess. Why would a king want a bunch of lizards running around in his palace? Eat insects, right. They didn't have off in those days, you know. But now we're going to look in depth today what lesson is being taught by locusts. But first of all, let's look at locusts. There's Locusts and a grasshopper are of the same family. But we probably right away thought about the fact that in the Bible it says that John the Baptist lived off of locusts and wild honey. Locusts weigh about two grams, and there's lots of protein in them. That means you can get about 14 locusts to an ounce, or about 224 of them make up a pound of pure protein. Sweeten it up for some honey, and you can live pretty good, it looks like. But more than that, locusts have been known to take down airplanes when they're all together. In 1889, it's recorded that a big plague, they call it, swarm of locusts that they believe were around 250 billion. Now, you realize there's only 7 billion people on the earth. Moved across the Mediterranean Sea... Driven by the wind, devastated everything in their path, and covered 2,000 square miles of airspace. Uh, now, there weren't airplanes back then, but since that time, airplanes divert their routes around swarms of locusts. Now, one locust, you know, John the Baptist would grab one and eat it. Nothing insignificant by itself, but we're going to learn a great lesson from the locusts. And the first lesson is this. Locusts, they have no king. Nobody that has to tell them what to do. There's no observable king in charge of locusts. They're internally motivated. There's something about a locust that just drives them on. And you know what it is? Hunger and the wind. The wind drives them, and by the way, the word wind, pneuma, rhema, all the same word for spirit. They're driven by the wind or the spirit. We're getting ahead of ourselves now for the spiritual application. They have no king. They don't have anybody that has to tell them what to do. Now, there was a time in Israel's history in which they said, we want a king, we want a king, we want to be like the other nations. And uh, the prophet Samuel encouraged him not to be that way, but he said, okay, now listen to this out of 1 Samuel 8. So Samuel told all the words of the Lord to the people who were asking for a king from him. He said, 
These will be the ways of the king that will reign over you. That doesn't sound inviting, does it? He will take your sons and appoint them to his chariots, to be his horsemen, to run before his chariots. And he will appoint for himself commanders of thousands and commanders of fifties and and some to plow his ground and to reap his harvest and to make his implements of war and the equipment of his chariots. He will take your daughters to be perfumers and cooks and bakers. He will take the best of your fields and vineyards and olive orchards and give them to his servants. He will take the tenth of your grain and of your vineyards and give it to his officers and to his servants. He'll take your male servants, your female servants, and the best of your young men and your donkeys and put them to his work. He'll take the tenth of your flocks and you shall be his slaves. And in the day that you cry out before the Lord your king, whom you have, or no, before the king you've chosen for yourselves, but the Lord will not answer you in that day because you rejected him as your king. But the people refused to obey Samuel. They said, no, we want a king over us, that we may be like the other nations, and our king may judge and go out before us and fight our battles? <laughs> fight our battles for us? No, he's going to use you to fight his battles. It'll be a rich man's war and a poor man's fight. And when Samuel heard all the words of the people, he repeated them to the Lord. And the Lord said to Samuel, obey their voice. Make them a king. Now, there are good things about a king, and God gave Israel some good kings, but the majority of them were bad kings, and most of them were in it for themselves. And what it's saying is locusts have no king over them, meaning like that, telling them what to do, forcing them into everything. They're internally motivated. There's this hunger and the wind that drives them on. They eat their own weight daily. And yet it says, yet they advance. They're goal-oriented. They go after it. <laughs> you know, uh, Jenny Heater, who's the English teacher at Brayman High, she used a word the other day that I had never used, and it's not really a word, but I just liked it. She said that something was verby. It's verby. It means it's action. It... it, it it moves. It has purpose. It's an action verb. It's verby. Locusts are verby. They're goal-oriented. Locusts have no king over them, yet, even though they're not told what to do, because they're internally motivated, they advance goal-oriented to eat together. They advance together. They're unified. One locust by itself, smash it, means nothing, eat it. 250 billion, take down an airplane. They are united. Great lesson there. They advance together in ranks. They're organized. Now, that comes back to having a king. We do need have to leadership. They do have leadership. They're ranks. There's something about locusts that they get in ranks and advance together it's not just utter chaos, and in doing so, they get the job done. Now, that's all it says about locusts. What are we to glean from this? Well, I want to read you another place where locusts are spoken about out of the book of Joel. God 
uses locusts, a horde of locusts coming. By the way, we saw it in also the plagues out of Egypt. But he says, I'm going to bring a great army down to punish you, Israel, because you've turned your back against me. And it's going to be like a horde of locusts. Listen to what he says. They charge like warriors. They scale walls like soldiers. They all march in line, not swerving from their course. They do not jostle each other. They're united. They plunge through defenses without breaking ranks. They're orderly. They're organized. They're in ranks. They rush upon the city. They run along its wall. They climb into the house like thieves. They enter through the windows. They get the job done. And God says, I'm going to use an invading army to do the same thing, and it will be like a horde of locusts. Well, I don't know about you, but um, so far, this would have been a great motivational speech, wouldn't it? Take all the, the uh, uh, spiritual lessons that we're now going to look at in a moment. I think this would be a great coach talk before the game. We got to go out there, and we got to be motivated internally. The coach can't make you do the job. I want you to go out there, and I want you to advance. I want you to be goal-oriented. We want a touchdown. I want you to do it together as a team, and I want you to stay organized. You know, tomorrow at noon, I'm actually speaking in Bremen at TMT Automotive for Mike Tadich to his employees. And it's a motivational speak uh, talk off of the Appalachian Trail. And uh, to, I guess, get them to be better at uh, changing brakes or something. I don't know. <laughs> but uh, now Mike knows this, and he wants me to, is to, although I'm not coming in as a preacher, to make certain I preach before I leave. And uh, so that's good. But I think we know that if every word of Scripture is inspired and is profitable to teach us so that we'll be thoroughly equipped for good works, then there's a spiritual lesson in this. And now we're going to make the spiritual application to the Christian life or to the church life. So let's look at this. Lesson one, we too are to be internally motivated as a church and as a Christian. What does that mean? Well, number one, we ought to be wind-driven as well, spirit-driven, hunger, something deep within us in which we don't have to be told what to do. Jordan and I talked about this, and I said, Jordan, you don't want to be a king. He said, no, the true leader is a person who gets people to accomplish a task that they want to accomplish. They're inspired, but... We, too, as a church, are to be internally motivated by the love of Jesus Christ. In 2 Corinthians chapter 5, verse 14, says this, Christ's love compels us. Well, let's stop there first. Christ's love compels us. You know, scholars disagree as to whether or not that's speaking about Christ's love for us or our reciprocal love for him, and I think the answer is yes. And I also believe this, long-term, the only true motivation that will keep us faithful for a lifetime is we somehow grasp Christ's love for us, and we have a reciprocal love for him. Long-term, I think it's the only thing 
that will keep you faithful. Just like in a marriage, bottom line, it's, it's, it's love. You know, by law, I have to take care of my family, but I've never thought of it that way. It's a loving relationship. The love of Christ compels us. I love that word. Compel means to drive. It, it, it motivates. It's the hunger within. That hunger and thirst to know Christ. That hunger and thirst after righteousness. The love of Christ compels us because we are convinced that if one died for all, then all died. You know, speaking about this word convinced, it's one of my favorite Bible words. Uh, I have a board here, and I don't know, you probably can't see here, but here's a nail in this board right here, but I can take that nail right out. Now, here's a nail that is driven through the board all the way, but there's a lot of nail left, and I think we all know if we wanted to get that nail out, we could, couldn't we? Because we could get a hammer and pull it out. It'd be a little hard, but we could get that nail out. What you can't see is there's another nail right here driven through, and on the other side, I've done what's called crimp it. You've done it. You beat it down, beat it in. It is not coming out, and you know what? It's the word that the Apostle Paul used here for convinced. It was taken out of the trade of carpentry, and he says, because we are driven through, turned over, beat down, and beat in to Christ, we are not coming out. That's how firm I am on this decision, is what Paul said. Well, you know, over the years, I've seen a lot of people that claim they know Christ and love him, but they remind me of this nail here. Hardships come, man, they come, you know, they, 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 they give up the faith. They don't last. And then I've known other people that seem to be driven through Christ, but something really tough in life can get a hold of them and just jerk them right out of Christ. And then we've all known people that over all these years, they've gone through difficulty and trials. We use the word, they, they hang in there. No, they, they stay because they are convinced. They are driven through turned over, crimped, nothing can pull them out of their devotion to Christ because they love him because he first loved them. Amen to that? So we, like locusts, are to be internally motivated. I remember when I was a youth pastor on a staff in Akron, Ohio, there was a guy on the staff that was really frustrating the senior pastor. And the senior pastor said this to me, he probably doesn't Remember, he ever said this, but he doesn't know the impact it made on me. He said to this person, he'll always do everything I tell him to do. <laughs> Just what you want in an employee, right? Or in a student in your class. They'll always do exactly what I tell them to do. No internal motivation, no hunger, no thirst, no drive. Well, God expects more. So the first lesson we can learn from a locust is like locusts, we, too, in our personal lives and in our church lives, are to be internally motivated. We don't need a king over us. And then we need to advance. We're called to move ahead, to be driven, to occupy until he comes. And that is a word that means to, to take territory for God. Let's look at that verse there. 
Uh, first of all, we had the one Galatians 5.18. If you're led by the Spirit of God, then you're not under law, meaning you don't need a king, you don't need rules, you're driven from within. Now we go to lesson two. We are to be goal-oriented. Matthew 11.12 says this, Jesus speaking, from the days of John the Baptist until now, the kingdom of heaven has been forcefully advancing, and forceful men lay hold of it. What does that mean? Well, I think we realize that John the Baptist was quite the man. As a matter of fact, Jesus bragged on him. He said, when you went out into the desert, what did you expect to find? A man in finds clothing? Now you'll find them in king's palaces. Did you go out there and expect a reed shaken by the wind, meaning just uh, whichever direction public opinion is going? No. You went out there and you found a prophet indeed. And from the time of John the Baptist until now, forceful men, men like John the Baptist, have been forcefully advancing, and forceful men lay hold of it. Two interpretations. That it's speaking about the enemy. From the time of John the Baptist till now, there's always been enemies that uh, forcefully grab a hold of the kingdom of God and try to destroy it. That's one interpretation, but I agree with uh, Jonathan Edwards, who says this. From the time of John the Baptist until now, there's always been people who, like John the Baptist, are forceful people. They're goal-oriented. They, they want to advance the kingdom of God. And forceful men lay hold of the kingdom of God. People who come to Christ and live for him, they're forceful people. They don't sit around. They don't just wait for the kingdom of God to come. They take territory. They occupy until he comes. They're always advancing the kingdom of God. Like locusts, they advance. They have a hunger and thirst, take territory, and for righteousness. And forceful men lay hold of it, meaning the people who become a part of the kingdom of God are forceful people. I also would say, and they, you have forceful people that will oppose you. But it, what it means is, I believe, Christians and churches are not to sit on their laurels. They're supposed to be like locusts, taking territory for God, thinking about how can we advance because we're hungry. And then another verse on this one, never be lacking in zeal. Keep up your spiritual fervor serving the Lord. Zeal, boiling over it means. We ought to be uh, boiling over in our fervency for Christ. So we've looked at two lessons. We're to be internally motivated. We're to be goal-oriented. Lesson three, we're also to be unified. This one, I believe, is the most difficult one. You know, at least in my own personal life, I, uh, I, I don't need a king to tell me what to do. I don't. Uh, I, I'm pretty self-motivated, spirit-motivated, hopefully. Um. And I, I'm a person that wants to take territory. I'm a goal-oriented person. The difficulty is sometimes I get so frustrated trying to do it with other people, I decide I just might do this all by myself. <laughs> it's a lot easier, isn't it? But a locust by himself is going to get crushed, eaten. But if you have a host of Christians that are advancing together, oh, it's amazing how much you can get done, how beautiful it is. It says in Psalm 133, how good, and beautiful, how good and precious it is when brethren live together in unity. It's interesting that that word precious was used as an agricultural term 
of looking upon the harvest and, and just it's precious to you. It's a beautiful scene, the harvest. And we see that around here in the fall. I just love it when they're bringing in the crops. Unity. One locust by itself. You know, I, this was a, a big lesson for me as a local pastor. Early in my ministry, my idea of leadership was rawhide. You remember that show? Head them up, move them out, rawhide. I'm leading the way, follow me. But I'll never forget, at one of my yearly reviews, one of my elders said to me, he said, Craig, we don't have any problem with where you're taking us, but we're tired of looking at your rear end. <laughs> we want to be a part of the team. We want to do this together. And you know, it came to a head when this happened. I had a difficult person in the church that was taking me on, and I was up late at night, and I turned on the TV set, and I saw one of these nature shows, and it showed the most horrible scene. It showed a wildebeest. There were lions, a bunch of lions, trying to get a wildebeest. And they were all going like this, you know, just protecting. And then one stupid wildebeest walked off by himself, and these lions jumped on him and ate him alive. I'm watching this thing about 2 in the morning, thinking about my own situation, and it was like the Spirit of God said, Craig, that's you. You're going to get eaten alive unless you get back in the pack. <laughs> and I, every time I started to think, oh, it's so frustrating to work with other people. I just want to take the lead. I think, yeah, I want to be that wildebeest, get eaten by the lions. And I learned that the enemy won't take on the pack. We need to learn to walk, work together. It's difficult, but... It's the only way that we really accomplish the task. If your vision is, can be accomplished all by yourself, then it's much, not much of a vision, and it certainly isn't God's. <laughs> if your vision for your life can be accomplished all by yourself, then it's not much of a vision, and it certainly isn't God's. Well, it says in um, Ephesians 4.3, make every effort. To keep the unity of the Spirit through the bond of peace. Every effort. That means strain at it. Forbear other people. And have them forbear you. Work it through. It's much slower. But if you, if you want to go far, somebody said. Um, no, if you want to go fast, go alone. If you want to go far, go together. It's God's way. You get so much more accomplished. You know... Uh, I love to hunt for morel mushrooms. Do you love to do that? This was a bad year. But uh, most times, I never worry about if somebody else has been in here because they miss them. You know, a person walking through, and I miss them too when you're by yourself. But I've given up on looking for them at, at Potato Creek State Park. You know why? They bring out vans of Amish out there. <laughs> Grandma, grandpa, aunts, and uncles, little kids... And they line up like locusts, man. They do. They're, they're, they're lined up like three feet from each other. They go through the woods. And they don't miss a one, man. And it's amazing. You see the Amish with all these mushrooms. And it's like, well, forget this, man. They, they, they cleaned it, you know. Uh, they're smart. They, uh, they, they are like locusts. They advance together in ranks and get the job done. And uh, so... This is the biggest lesson for me personally out of this is you may, it, 
It may seem much more difficult, but it's God's way. God made a church. He didn't make individual Christians. And then the fourth lesson, we are to be organized just like locusts. And God placed all things under his feet and appointed him to be the head of everything in the church. Jesus Christ is the king, the leader, and we follow his spirit. We get in his wind. Ephesians 4, 16, from the whole body... Uh, From him, the whole body is joined together and held together by every supporting ligament. It grows and builds itself up in love as each part does its work. I love that. Each part, like a human body, does its work, and then you can get the job done. We need to know what our own gifts and abilities are. You know, I read where uh, uh, a baseball player, Steve Lyons, back in 1990, I think it was, played every position for the White Sox in a game. I think it was against the Cubs. And he did very well. But at batting, he went zero for five. (laughs) He couldn't do it all. The White Sox won the game, but he was terrible at batting. But he was really good on the field in every single position. It's so important that we find out what our area of giftedness is, and then just perfect it and use it to the hilt. You know, God, God makes people different. He makes nationalities and groups different. My son told me this the, the other day. He said he was at a conference, and a guy used this illustration on this. He said um, there was a gathering, and it went very well. They put the Germans in charge of the schedule. They put the Italians in charge of fun. They put the French in charge of the food, and they put the British in charge of manners, and everything went well. But then they had another gathering. They decided to switch it up, so they put the Germans in charge of fun. (laughs) They put the Italians in charge of the schedule. They put the French in charge of manners, (laughs) and they put the British in charge of the food, and it was a terrible gathering. (laughs) Well, I don't know about all those other groups, but I do know that the Italians are not on schedule. If you ever travel over there, I heard their trains. It's just a big party on the train. The object is bring a lot of food and and wine and have a great time, whether you get to your destination or not. Cross the border into Germany on the second, because that's what's important, that we get there at the right time. Well, we need all that in life, don't we? And even in the church, we need to know what our gifts are. Romans 12, 4, just as each of us has one body with many members, and these members don't have the same function, so in Christ, we who are many from one body, and each member belongs to the other. You know, I read this article that really fit this on a Reader's Digest called What Good is a Tree? And it was the most amazing thing. It said that in a forest, you may see a lot of trees that are all doing quite well, And some trees might not have any water, but other trees have water. Other trees have sunlight, and the others don't. And then some have nutrients, and some don't. And they said, how does that happen? Because underground, the root systems are all interconnected, and they're sharing the nutrients, they're sharing the sunlight, and they're they're sharing the water. We could learn a great lesson from the trees. How do they all survive and do so well? Even if they may be in difficult circumstances, they all have something to give and they all share. And then the final verse. Obey your leaders. Submit to their authority. 
They keep watch over you as men who must give an account. Obey them so that their work may, will be a joy, not a burden, for that would be of no advantage to you. Some of those gifts are the gifts of leadership. And I think all of us want, I do, I want trusted leaders. I want leaders. I want things organized. We, too, need to be advancing together in ranks, in order. You know, I spent a year of my life in Okinawa on riot control. The Okinawans wanted us off the island. And um, so I was uh, part of a unit that would quell riots. And the biggest thing you learned was, and it was advancing together in ranks, you get in a V formation, and if a guy's taken out, you just close up the rank. You just, so the V might be getting shorter, but you never, ever allow a blank space. You fill it in. You fill it in. You fill it in. Great lesson to learn for the Christian life. So, what do we learn from all this? You know, uh, when I was hiking the Appalachian Trail, there was a day up in uh, Massachusetts uh, where I came in, and I had just come through a horrible swamp with the most mosquito-infested mess you ever saw in your life. And I was in the, the Berkshires, close to a place called Great... Uh, I think uh, I forget the name of the town. But at any rate, I got off the trail and uh, met a, a guy that lived in that town who was alongside the road, and uh, he asked me, so what do you need? Because I was messed. And I said, I, I need to get a shower. I need to do my laundry. I need to get groceries. And I'd like to spend the night somewhere. And I'd need a trail, a, a, a uh, ride back to the trail in the morning. He said, hop in. I'll do that for you. And then he said to me, he said, listen, uh, I'll do all this for you. He said, could would you go to church with me tomorrow morning? I didn't even know it was it, tomorrow was Sunday. I said, well, I mean, clothes. He goes, that doesn't matter. And he said, I'll take you to breakfast, take you to church, and after church, I'll take you to lunch, and I'll get you right back to the trail again. I, how can you refuse that? Well, so uh, next morning, he did all that. He picked me up. He took me to church. I didn't know it. It was a Pentecostal church, maybe 50 people. Well, uh, so... It, during the service, he introduced me and everything and had me get up to say a few words that I was a thru-hiker on the Appalachian Trail. And I said, listen, I think this is safe in here. I said, nobody on the trail knows this, but I'm actually the chaplain of the Appalachian Trail. Remember this, the Pentecostal church? Oh, man, you'd have thought the Apostle Paul just came. They went, <laughs> they went wild. They, they were dancing. They, they were prophesying over me, laying hands on me. And... Uh, Sending me on my way with everything. But I'll never forget, I said to the pastor, I said, listen, you guys, this church is only like a mile or two from the trail. Do you know the ministry you can have to the whole world that comes through here? Other churches have done this. You put some bunk beds in the basement of the church. You put a shower in. And you make this a ministry. You'll have a mission to the entire world. And I'll never forget, he looked at me and said, well, we would much rather just have the Spirit lead like he did with you. Huh? He didn't understand that, yes, this, the Spirit of God did lead in my behalf. But couldn't we organize this now? Put it in ranks so you can advance it? So I got to be their hero for the day, but they could have had, had him coming through all the time. We can be so 
spiritually minded, we're no earthly good. But we are to be led by the Spirit. What can we learn from this? How could uh, community gospel be more locust-like, and how can we be more locust-like individually? Number one, be internally motivated by your King, Jesus Christ. Make certain that the love of Christ is what compels you. Be love-led, Lord-led. Advance. We don't sit around. We'll give an answer for our lives individually and corporately. Be goal-oriented. Set goals. Pursue righteousness. Pursue the kingdom. Do it together. Be united. As tough as it can be. And they have to put up with you. You have to put up with them. Make every effort to keep the bond of peace. And do it in an organized manner. Know and do your part. Follow leadership, godly leadership. Why? Why would you do this? For the same reason a locust does. What drives a locust? Hunger. They live to eat. (laughs) They're driven by this internal hunger that they get together and swarm and eat everything in their path. Now, in the Exodus... They were used by God under his judgment. And in the book of Joel, God used them as a horde to bring back. They were tools of God for destruction. And a group of people can bring about a lot of destruction or a lot of good. What if, just think this through, what if a body of believers such as Community Gospel got together and the love of Christ compelled them? They were goal-oriented for the kingdom. And they did it in love together. And they were organized. Think what could be accomplished for the kingdom of God. But the key is this. They were hungry and thirsty for righteousness. What are you hungry for? I'm sure you've had the same experience I have many times in my life. I get up in the middle of the night, and I think I'm hungry. So I go to the fridge, I open it up, and I eat something. and say, no, that wasn't it. (laughs) Then I go to the cupboard and eat something else. No, that wasn't it either. And after I've eaten about five things, I think I'm not hungry anymore, but I never found what I was hungry for. (laughs) In that same way, we will always be hungry until we have hungered and thirst for knowing Jesus Christ and serving him. Amen? Amen? Amen. Let's pray. Lord Jesus, thank you for the opportunity to come and share. And Father, sometimes I feel like I'm a nail that could be pulled out. Not driven through and crimped. But I pray that right now each of us in our minds and our hearts would just say, crimp me, Lord. Drive me through. Turn me over. Beat me down into you. And may I live with you. And may I live in a body of believers as we advance together in ranks. And all God's people said, amen. Amen. God bless. Community Gospel Church Podcast. If you would like to support this ministry financially, Simply log on to communitygospelchurch.com and click the Contribute tab. 